You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avram Kivilevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. I've been doing a series of what I call Gaza War Stories, and I can't think of any better person to connect to as far as this goes than someone who's really in the line of fire, my good friend, Nelson uh, Notaglik who lives in Ashkelon. First of all, I, I know our listeners are probably interested. What's the situation in Ashkelon as of tonight, October 10th? I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Okay. You know, I can, I can only report on my very small corner of reality. I'll just make it, you know, by, by way of saying a general statement, I think there's like a massive amount of, of misinformation and, and psychological warfare being played out um, through social media and through all sorts of, you know, methods of communication. And, you know, you know, who knows, who knows what's real and, and what's not. I think, you know, that, uh, is probably the, is probably the best, best thing here. Cause at least, you know, you're not being McCalkill anything. You know, if you, if you release a, a piece of information that is either untrue or inaccurate, you might be, you might be scaring people unnecessarily if it's true or false. And you might be, and, and you know, you might be assisting people that you don't want to assist. The Hamas allegedly announced that there was going to be a big barrage of rockets, a game-changing, monstrous attack at five o'clock in the afternoon, um, which I didn't expect them to keep on, you know, to keep to that because they they've never done that in the past. But sure enough, this time, five o'clock in the afternoon, you know, the sirens went off and we ran downstairs. There was a pretty serious barrage of rockets that were, as far as I can, as far as I can tell, taken out by the Iron Dome. And, you know, then there was another one and there was another one. But between, you know, between incidents, there's been more downtime and the incidents themselves have been less substantial. I think there was like firing less rockets each time. So first of all, maybe it means nothing, you know, Maybe it means that they're, you know, reduce the amount of their ammo that they're using, which, you know, which which means that they're at least afraid that they're going to go run low. Or maybe Tzahal has found some way to interfere with their, you know, with their missile, missile launchers. Or or maybe who knows what. I mean, there's no, you know, there's no way to tell. I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to say that I know what this means, okay, or that I, that I can even say one way or the other. You know, anything, anything can change. And, and that's, uh, you know, and that's that. But anyway, such as, such as the Metzias, you know. Again, I, I think our listeners are aware that Ashkelon is one of the closest large cities, uh, to Gaza. But, you know, obviously, Sterot is a much smaller town than Ashkelon. No, and it's much, much closer. You know, Sterot is, is so on the border of Aza that, uh, they started out by shooting, I mean, literally mortars out of, you know, from their side of the fence into, into state road. That's how it started. And then they, then they moved up to, you know, to little, like, uh, you know, little pieces of, of, of metal piping with little cones stuck on top. And, you know, so they got, so they got practice with that. And then they just continued, you know, they continued to develop it. And I think that, I mean, all of this was going on before they hit that boat. And I don't think that the army had any particular success in trying to stop the development of these devices because they're, you know, it's really underground, literally, you know, and it, it's hard, you know, it's hard to supervise uh, a city full of uh, several million people. And, you know, one of the, one of the reasons why I think that Ariel Sharon decided to get out of there was because he didn't believe that the whole place was defensible from the inside um, for, for, you know, indefinitely. So best leave when you have some dignity attached and you're not, they're not making you do it. 
other 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 than that, I mean, there's a lot of things that did not happen the way that Eric Sharon intended. Okay, I mean, there's a lot of things that did not go the way that he would want he would have wanted them to go. But as they say, hindsight you know hindsight is twenty twenty, and and we don't know what the situation would have been had there been no Hitnut group. I've always factored that, and we don't know. You know, so. Yeah, because again, you know what? I'm not so clear on those facts. I do remember, of course, the protests that were extreme. I mean, this is one of the first times that we saw, you know, the uh, many in the Mafdal camp, uh, many in the Khardal camp. Uh, they were psalking from Rabbi from Shapiro and others saying how it, it, it's, it's illegal to give up any part of this back to the Arabs. Um, yeah. People remember the human chains of young schoolgirls that stood in the way of the Israeli military who took down those cities, those beautiful cities that had been uh, built in Aza, uh, which were the source of so much veg- veg- vegetables and f- beautiful flowers and the shoals that were taken apart. It was, again, I, I remember it clearly as yesterday, uh, the outcry. Uh, of, of what this meant. I worked in Gush Katif, you know, for a couple of years before the Hitnat Kut. I did, I managed one of my, you know, marriage and family therapy clinics in, in Ved Kalim. Um, now this was, this was after I left the position of Rav of Tukuma and moved back to Ashkelon, but I had a real heck of a time getting in and out of there. You know the buses didn't really connect, and I had to, I had to take, I had to take tramps through really dang, through dangerous areas. I mean, you know, areas that were, you know, I don't know, people. <laughs> well, let's say people get shot in those those kind of places, you know. And I'm in this, I'm in this vehicle tramping along with this, with this, uh, you know, with this other guy here, because, and um, it was it was pretty amazing what people were willing to put up with in terms of just living a life that's. Just imun and bitachon and Hashem. Okay, so you're, what you're saying is is that that it was built up by the not by the settlers as perhaps a greater a nirvana than it actually was. It was very dangerous and difficult. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I I'm, I just tell you, you know, I, there was one time that somebody I thought I thought he was going to drive me, you know, all the way out of the gush, as they would as they would say, you know. Instead, instead he says, no, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, I have to leave you here. There'll be a bus coming in a half an hour. So I mean that's that's pretty that's pretty hairy, just sitting in an empty bus stop by myself, you know, and I mean Baruch Hashem, I mean a bus a bus didn't come, but somebody else gave me gave me another tramp. Right. And by, and by the way, I was I was at the, at the time, believe it or not, I was wearing Haredi out I was wearing, wearing excuse me, Haredi clothing. That was my like my Haredi period kind of I'm not sure if the Haredi clothing would be a plus or minus there, but just to push back just a little bit. Yes, it was a pipe dream that it could be a utopian type of uh, restructuring in Eretz Israel. However, feeding that territory back allowed it not only to become this this terrible slum, uh, you know, terrible area that it that it turned into, but also it allowed the stockpiling of weapons uh, to have a country that was able to, uh, you know, through the the tunnels and everything else that uh, we now are suffering from. So, yes, I, I think many people today, and especially the widows and the orphans and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the mothers and daughters and brothers and sisters that are worried about their families are probably cursing the day uh, that Sharon decided to move in that direction. 
what I wanted to really get to ask you in a more substantive way is you've been living in Ashkelon for a number of years. And, and you've obviously, and I remember even a couple of years ago in 2021, when you had the last barrage and there was the talk of going into Gaza and, and stopping everything. Um, so I remember you had your whole family. Uh, you had uh, about seven or eight of you all sleeping in one room. Yeah. How does how does this last couple of days feel in in comparison to that last war? Zelbazach. It's much the same. The thing the thing that makes this one the thing that makes this one different is the is the is the massive you know Rahman Litzlan um, call it I don't know call it a yeah, the, the tragedy that happened that befell us on on, on Circus Terror, that was that's unthinkable. You can't even can't even wrap wrap your mind around it. The other stuff we've definitely been through before and worse. Men, women, and children uh, murdered in front of their families, raped, women raped mercilessly, and then left to die. Um, obviously, the the as you say, the rockets are, are were, was merely the smokescreen in order to allow the invasion and penetration and and ravaging and destruction to happen. Um, I know that you have a personal connection to some of those places right near Gaza. Do you want to talk a little bit about how your son was able to survive and what happened there? You know, you have these Hajjgacha Pratis stories. And I, you know, you feel you feel like something is Bahajgacha. It's, it's a feeling that you have. And I think I think that the, the presence of the Hajjgacha is not something that's rationally explainable because if you try to rationally rationally explain it you end up basically with uh you know aristotle's definition of good luck you know aristotle's definition of good luck is when the arrow hits the other guy but um i do believe that this is you know a a bit of a hajgacha story here i mean for one thing you know i made uh, my my son was very interested in getting mezuzahs for all of his doors. That's probably unique because it's not really a religious kibbutz where he's at. Kibbutz Nirim. Uh, my son lives at Kibbutz Nirim, and on the morning that it happened, um, well, he's you know he's he's Kobe. His wife's name is is uh, Naknesh, and uh, she's Ethiopian. Hence the hence the a rather unusual name. Okay, and they have and they have two adorable little children, toddlers. I mean. They're, you know, cute as heck. We love them. We love all of our grandchildren. You know, but these are the you know these are the latest additions. Really. So the story is, they woke up. They woke up on uh, on Shabbos morning, and they heard there was gunshots. You know, so they 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 quickly kind of just closed down the you know they closed up the house. They locked everything from the inside. <laughs> they took the kids into the safe room. They hung out in the safe room, and and you know they heard shooting. They they heard, they heard Arabic yelling, and they heard shooting. And uh, there, there was a lot of stuff going on in the in the kibbutz. You know, some houses were burnt down, some houses were just uh, attacked and demolished in, in ways. There were people that were killed, and, I, and then there might even have been somebody taken hostage. Although I have, I don't, I mamas don't know. So I, I heard that, but you know, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. Um, and um, after after a few hours. You know when uh, when things seemed to calm down, so they heard they heard a different voice. This was the voice of the Katsin uh, Bitachon, that's the security officer of the of the kibbutz, telling them that they you know they need to get out of there. They're being taken to a safe place, and just open up the door, leave, 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 leave. We'll take you where you need to go. So that's what happened. They 
the scary thing, which was pretty scary, was by the time I knew about this, because for me, you know, for me it was Simchas Torah, and I wasn't even in Ashkelon. I, you know, and and my phone was off, so nobody was, you know, nobody was calling me. I was I was up uh, I was up north in in Malot with my 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 friend Rabbi Yoshua, and after you know after after you know Matzah Shabbos Matzah Yantif, you know, um, we suddenly became aware of the whole thing. Now I have an interesting tale to tell about that also, but but. Uh, you know, obviously, okay. Where is everybody? Is everybody okay? And in particular, in, in particular, Kobe and Natnesh, because they're you know they're stuck, you know, over there, Mamish, on the border of of, of Aza. They're very very close to the fence. So undoubtedly, if, if if Hamas invaded, they certainly invaded there among other among other places. And little you know, little by little, we got the different pieces of the got the little different pieces of the story. But one thing that we did not have was contact with Kobe and Nati. Just couldn't call them. The, you know, the phone wasn't receiving calls, which was, let me tell you something, that was pretty, that was pretty scary, you know, because the possibilities here are endless. And, you know, until you, until you hear from him, you don't know what's happening. Uh, so we, we, we did, we did get a message from a friend of his, also a friend of ours, that said that uh, they had been taken to a, they had been removed from the kibbutz. They were, they had been taken to a safe place. It's just a place with no connectivity. So don't worry about it. Okay. Which, okay. I mean, doesn't mean that you don't worry about it, right? We there, there are terrorists throughout the area, so you never know if you know who's hiding somewhere in a brush uh, to attack the, even the safe place where they're at. Well, I mean, you you assume that the army takes you to a safe place. They know you know they know where they're going. Um, but uh, later on, you know, later on towards towards the morning, we got a message from Kobe. You know, um, uh, he was he was smiling and and uh, he was with the with, with his little girl. Um, who was also smiling, and basically everything is okay. They're, they really are in a safe place. There wasn't any connectivity. So, so, so all that turned out really well. And he also he also said that he really felt that there was somebody protecting him, and he was. Um, and um, this had to do with the fact that first of all, you know, just because they locked the front door doesn't mean that the that doesn't mean that Chavasnikin can't blow it off. It's hinges and come in. Okay, I mean, there's nothing that, you know. There's there's nothing to stop them, but they didn't seem particularly interested in his house, even though it was a very you know it was a very prosperous looking. It's one of the new buildings over there, so it's a very prosperous looking little villa. Yeah, and when it came when it came to his car, because they simply ran around burning cars or other, otherwise destroying them. So um, he looked out and he saw that the tires were flat, and said, "Oh my, they must have slashed my tires." But when he got there, he found out that they hadn't slashed his tires. They had simply let the air out. Now, this is kind of a funny thought, you know. There's this, there's this, this, this terrorist, this killer, this freaking murderer, okay? And he said, "Well, let's do something to this Jewish car. Let's do something. To slash the tire. No, I don't have, I don't have energy for slashing the tires. Let's just let, let's just go. Let's just let the air out of the tires. That will, that will make them upset and miserable. <laughs> you know? Um, I mean, like, what were they thinking? Anyway, so I'll call upon him. I mean, I think I think that he actually drove away in his car to his safe place, if I if I understand correctly, but maybe I don't. So, as you can as you can see, I'm being very careful with any information that I release if I don't have absolute certainty. No, 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 and I, and I I I appreciate your discretion. One of the things you mentioned to me off pod, and one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about it was that although, like you say, Hashkocha protest stories are very one sided. It's eerie to you, especially since you're a sofer. You're someone who is involved in the writing of tefillin and mezuzahs. And it was because of you that they had mezuzahs on their house 
in the first place. Well, even more than that, it's not because of me per se. It's because of them. I mean, they asked for it. You know, they wanted they wanted mezuzahs on their on their house, and and fortunately, I was able I was able to to supply them. So, you know, I mean, I'll take some I'll take some credit if that's necessary. But I I, I think this chus is, is to a great extent theirs. You know, that really puts you into the into the into the difficult conundrum of 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 you know from for from for my son. There was Hashgacha brought this, you know, and and by the way, Tati davened his kishkas out, okay, for his, you know, for his for his kids. I mean, I always do, you know, particularly Yom and Meiraim. So, you know, so I was pretty, you know, I was I was pretty out there with my, you know, with my davening for them and other stuff. And and um, you know, I, I do believe that there are, you know, there's a certain number of, you know, glick miracle stories that you can that you can connect to that to some extent. But the you know the issue is is that is that okay so if somebody else you know wasn't Makayim mitzvahs mezuzah you know for, for 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 that they get killed or for that they're abandoned to, to fate and chance you know between friends between me and you I'm happy that you're telling me that you think the mezuzahs might have been the factor or maybe your special tefillos but I think in, in, now over the next couple of weeks the type of stories that I'm already hearing, and I sent you one earlier, about, about the kibbutzim that were Shomer Mitzvot and Shomer Shabbos somehow were not, were not attacked. Again, it, it, those, despite the source of that, of, of Zilberstein, I have a very big problem with that type of information being disseminated now. I think it doesn't do a lot of good I think what it does is, as you say, allows people to say, oh, you see, <laughs> you know, they didn't, they weren't keeping, maybe that's the reason why the, the attack occurred. At this point, the wounds are so raw, are so terrible. We, Shtika, we have to just be quiet about why it, it happened in terms of what those individuals did and 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 mourn along with everyone else. To, to our, 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 the tears have to stain our sidurim and our sifretilim, and they have to stain the floors of our house as we walk and hear the news, or even not hearing the news. But to, but these type of of of, of rationales uh, and explanations have no place at this point. I don't care if it's from Silberstein or. Or, or his even again. I don't think his schwer would ever say anything like that. I'll tell you. I mean, I have my my attitude towards these things is is like this. So I've had in my life. This is one of them. What I would call hashgacha hashgacha experiences. Okay. The, the point that I'm trying to make is that is that I don't rationalize it. You know, I had an experience of a kaddish baruch who caring for me. It was very real, and for it I say thank you because I kind of understand that not everybody is like okay but that doesn't mean that i'm any better than anybody else and i don't know why it happened to me dafka and i'm not going to give myself any credit for ah i did this i did this mitzvah i did that mitzvah you know by the way i can tell you the, i can tell you a really funny story which but it, but it's the best one i've got it's very strange okay um kobe kobe bought me a a, a jar let's say of of this dutch mayonnaise that was really gourmet you know and he bought it for me because he knows that i love mayonnaise except that i look on i'm looking all over the jar and i'm saying no you know no, no, no hexer on it right 
So I, I don't like I don't know there, but I really gotta have the main. I really, 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 and I say, I really want the I want it, 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 you know. And and I end up I end up doing like all sorts of impossible things. Like I call up I call up the importer. When it was it was you know, it was eight thirty at night. It was you know, I called up the importer. His office was obviously closed, but I left him a message on his machine, you know. That's what I that's what I tried to do. And then finally I ended up in the, with a lot of frustration because I couldn't have my manners, you know. I feel like such a little baby, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and and who calls me up at ten o'clock at night is the is the is the owner of the company, you know. And he says, "Well, no, I can, yeah, I can, I can, uh, I can show you the, you know, I can email you the the Kashrut certification from the Rabbanut in Holland. Everything's okay." And like 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 suddenly it was like, darn, you no, know, the Rabbanish Loilam. Like if he if he would have given you something really 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 important, you know, like I, I like I, I need I don't know I need I need I need to I need to have a hasog in some safer, okay, you know that would that would be one thing. But I'm frustrated because I want to have some mayo. You know, I mean, ad 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 You know that even even when I'm behaving like a baby, you know, and that was that was the thing that was really was really bizarre. But obviously. You know, this would not. I couldn't. I couldn't take any rational, uh, you know, any rational approach to this. This is like just as this pure, you know, pure feeling. You know, and, you know, I appreciate the little foray into the land of condiments, who, by the way, are somehow managing without me. I, I'm, I got a number of. I got a number of uh, emails and texts from them. If I'm all right, because I'm. I'm scheduled to return. I will see at this point what'll happen. They need somebody to open up the place in the morning. But what, what I wanted to ask you, and, and this is, and perhaps we'll end with this, and I know that this is not a pleasant thing. Um, I, I've been talking to, to many people, um, and, and to some people I've been mentioning that where's the condemnation from the rest of the world, uh, the Muslim billions of Muslims in the world, you know, not just the United Arab Emirates, or maybe Bahrain, but the millions of Muslims that are living in the Philippines, the millions of Muslims uh, that are in Indonesia, the millions of Muslims of, in, 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 in Pakistan. Um, where is the condemnation? But I know that there's, it's really, that's not really what's bothering me. I think what's really bothering me is um, how this could have happened. And I've said this a number of times on the platform for our listeners, and I, I'm just repeating it. The day that is supposed to be the ultimate love fest, I, I compared it to the last kiss at the airport. It's like one more kiss. No, one one more time. Um, that Shmini Atzeres day, that day that is not Simchas Teira. The Simchas Teira we know is, is a Babylonian sort of plant that, that stuck its tendrils into Shmini Atzeris, you know, and turned it into, you know, a lot of dancing and drinking and, and, and merrymaking. But, but the Shmini Atzeris, the way in, in its purest form, the, that, that pristine, mysterious, ultimate holiday that has no mitzvah at all except the love of God, right? And I know there's Yom Kippur, which of course has its mitzvot of, of Inui, the mitzvot of, 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 which is a very difficult mitzvah to fulfill, and which Klal Yisrael consistently fulfills it, even the most irreligious among us. And Shemini Atzeres doesn't have a mitzvah other than 
distancing yourself from melacha, um, and really comprehending what the last, if you start from Rosh Chodesh Elul, what the last 50 odd days have been about. And when I think about the fact that somewhere in Tehran and in Beirut, on Rosh Chodesh Elul, the, the, the evil minds conceived of this day, because that's what it's, that's what information is coming out in August, right? When it was Rosh Chodesh Elul, when, when the Yemei Arotzain, when Akadosh Baruch Hu wanted to give us Slicha with Ava. And, and instead of it turning into this day of, of sublimity, it turns out to be the, again, for us, for us, born post-World War II, the worst day of Jewish massacre in, in our lifetimes and in the lifetime even of, of many much older than us. I, I, I can't wrap my head around it. And I, I can't, it's incredible that no one, I haven't listened perhaps strong enough, but I haven't heard real rationalizations from the G'dayle Adar, right? How, and maybe we need time to process it. And I know you you sent me something earlier about your own frustrations. Perhaps you want to share some of that. Uh huh. Maybe I won't go down there necessarily. We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But 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 let me but let me say something else. Since this is um, what did you call it? Gaza stories. Gaza war stories. Gaza war yes. stories. So here's here's my here's my shtickle war story. For some reason, I, I now you have to you have to you have to know something about me, which you probably do. That ever since I was a youngster. I was looking for ecstasy with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I was looking for ecstasy in the Torah. I was looking for feelings that were beyond the usual norm. And there were two days of the year that were gigantic, gigantic days for me. One of them is Simchus Torah, obviously. The other one is Purim. Because they both have that, that, um, that ability to break through all of the, all of the boundaries of propriety and, and, and really, really experience Simcha and Dvekus and Kesher and, and all that in a very, very powerful way. And that's to some extent the Segula of the, of the day, whether, I mean, whether you accept, is, was this really a Babylonian edition because of, because of the, because of the adoption of the one year cycle for finishing the Torah? I don't know, but you know, but that's what Simcha's Torah meant to me. And when I was a kid, you know, and I, when, and my parents would take me sometimes to some, to some minion for Simchas Torah, where there was like twenty old people walking, walking around the circle, going, oh, no, Hashiana. you know, and that was the that was the whole thing. I was in tears. Okay, I was I was in tears. But anyway, the the, the search for for the Chilu or Chima was as a, as a real experience. You know that that continued for a very long time with me. It's very it was always very very important to me, even if I wasn't always successful at attaining it or whatever. But that was. You know that was my guiding star. You know that was the way that I knew that I was making that I was making moving forward on my on my uh, on my path. I have to say that over the years that is that has changed. I mean, it doesn't you know it doesn't mean to me what it, what it used to mean to me. And sometimes I can actually find myself slipping into a litvish mode. You know, the important thing is to the segul is in doing the mitzvah and doing the mitzvah according to its halacha to the best of your ability. You know. According to all the diktukim that, that the, the halacha requires, and so I'm kind of like to some extent like between you know between positions on this right now, um, you know kind of maybe betraying my Hasidic background or something, but but um, 
I don't know. I, I no longer know know where I stand on the on the matter. Um, but anyway, when it first of all, I woke up. I woke up really late, and I felt really miserable. Physically, physically, I felt felt mamish. You know, joints were connected. It was it was it was terrible, and I could you know I could barely walk. And I made it down to a shul, and and uh, and sure enough, uh, I got there just in time for the hack office. Everybody was singing and dancing and carrying on. <laughs> I was sitting there, and I just couldn't connect to it. I could not connect to it. And the first thing that crossed my mind was perhaps this is part of my general change in life. You know that you know the the revealed feelings, the 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 experienced feelings are really not that important in the in the in the in the the scheme of things. It's what you do, why you do, and the, and the level of shlemus of the mice that you do. You know, so I was just sitting there, maybe, you know, I was trying to learn a little bit, or, you know, eh, but I really wasn't connecting to anything that was happening. Nelson, this was this this was just the other day. Yeah, yeah, just the other day. You were in Malot, in the northern part of the country, blissfully unaware of what was going on. You know, and then, and then when, when, uh, when we got the word, then suddenly, like suddenly, a lot of things, a lot of things began to make sense. I mean, aside from aside from the you know the Am Yisrael level, the cosmic level, you know, Sefer Torah Levesha stop, you know, and 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 uh, but nobody knows it, you know. So I I do believe that I was feeling something. I was I was certainly I mean I, I was certainly connecting. Let's say, you know, there's there's telepathy between married people. I've been married to this woman for for forty something years. You know, so if she's if she's sitting in this apartment terrified of this and frightened of this and, and and she knows that she doesn't have anybody to really you know to really turn to because she can't talk to me. It turned out that she did have people to turn to because the downstairs neighbors took her in and gave her you know, they they did very they dealt very nicely with her, very compassionately. But I'll cope on him, you know. Yeah, and my you know, and, and, and my my son and his wife. I mean, sure, no you know, no wonder I felt like, you know, crap. Yeah. <laughs> you, know. you felt like a broken Dutch mayonnaise jar. Yeah, something like that. You know, but but the the real thing was, as Simchas Torah, I mean, the Torah has to be Chageres Sak on on its on its biggest day of the year. And the reason the reason for this is because every time Muslims win over over us, it's not just you know it's a Chilul Hashem because they believe that the Torah is is a, is a, is, a, is, a, is fraudulent that we that we um, changed it. And and that we you know and that uh, that basically the tire that we have is a lie, and that Eretz Yisrael is not Eretz Yisrael, and the Mizbeach is not the Mizbeach, and, and it wasn't it wasn't Akedas Yitzchok, it was Akedas Yishmoel, and I have to go through all the whole the whole way that that you know the Muslim theology has just taken everything in the Torah and turned it on its head and made it into something else, so that we are basically Yerid Al Shoel Tachdis, and it's not just us, it's 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 the, it's the tire itself, you know, and and the, the only the only proof that the world can see. Whether this is real or not, you know, is is hatzlacha. Now, hatzlacha is a pretty bad is a pretty bad measure of whether something is true or not. But um, but al kolpanim, you know, as far as anybody in the world can see, the Torah took a big hit. Hakadosh Baruch Hu took a big hit. His name is, you know, we're the only people who even give a darn about what his name is. You know, you know, I mean, we're the only people who daven to his name or to any of his names. In our Shemona Esrei, when we say Asei Laman Shemecha at the end of our Shemona Esrei, we need to have in mind that this, that we, God allowed our, our men and women and leaders and generals to, to 
to eliminate, eradicate. Because as you say, this is a zilzal in Kedusha Shema Yisbarach. And yes, I agree with you, a zilzal in the Torah. And, and again, maybe that's a better, maybe I don't know if that helps me at all, but I appreciate your your anger. I appreciate your your sense of of of, of your indignance about and and, and almost like Lady Yitzhak of Berdichev hundreds of years ago, you want to stand up and, and, and say to God You wanna take a couple of hundred of us, but I don't know who's gonna stop you. No, but but for yourself, for your name, for your Torah, for your for your land, for your for you know, for the, the Torah that Kodma Shama what about what about that? What are you you know? And I don't you know, once again, don't have don't have any I'm not trying to make sense over here. I'm just saying, you know, these are these are the feelings that I have and, and This is the feelings of a father, feelings of a rov, the feelings of 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 a lover of God and a lover of Eretz Yisrael. And I think there's again more to come is the most I can say we in the coming days. I, I'm sorry to say it's, it sounds like it's going to be the coming days and weeks, but perhaps, you know, my, my cousin who I'm staying with here uh, in this recording says, she's sure this is the Pamone Mashiach, um, that these, this type of darkness before the dawn. My cousin is mentioning the, uh, the, the terrible uh, rich fish. Let me say okay, again. here we go. Wait a second. Men- it's oh. happening in real time, guys. All right. Only get it here at some of my best friends are Kabbalists. And some Kabbalists like to run to the stairwell where the sirens go up. All right. We wish you all the best. Take care. Okay. Be well, mate. Okay. We're live. Hi. We're, we're dominating for you. Live. To America, America. Say, uh, you, they can't see you. But they can only hear you. All right. So here we, here okay. we are. Now. These are the Chinese guys. They all live next door to us. You're going into the into the into the locked room. There is no locked room here. Okay. Yes. I don't think we can end things any better didn't, than that. Didn't hear any boom. This is this is. Yeah. Here, say say something to my friend. This goes to or, to uh, Orthodox Jews, you know, uh-huh. in 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 America. So say say hi. Hi, shalom. Hello there. Hi. We're here in Yerushalayim. We're here in Yerushalayim, and. Uh, what No, no. Her her name was Uslana. Uslana, and you're from Ukraine. Ukraine, ah, you came from Ukraine to, for the nice, quiet atmosphere yeah. here. And uh-huh. found a lot. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah. Anyway, okay, so thank you for adding your. Bit. If there's anything else you'd like to say okay. to the Jews of of uh, the United States, you know. Yeah. Bye. Okay. Great. All right. We love you all. Be well. Okay, and, and and by the way, by the way, this particular this particular barrage was a nothing burger. Mamish yeah. is garnish. You can hear a thing. It was it was a real barrage. You'd have heard some serious some serious booms. Sorry, couldn't I couldn't arrange it for you. Yeah. <laughs> it worked out good, Nate. I gotta go. Okay. okay. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you liked what you heard. If you did, please take a moment to share this or any of the many episodes available on our platform with friends in order to help grow our community. 
Until next time, Shalom. Shalom.